Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with Mitch Cleary, and he is a ball of fire if you've ever met one. I mean that in the best possible way. He is from the Peterborough area. His family has been there for, I I was about to say forever. Um, I guess it's because our family roots aren't in Canada, that when I meet people who have generations of family roots roots in this country, it feels feels interesting to me. I want to learn more. It feels like they're real Canadians. So uh, Mitch was was generous enough to come all the way down from Peterborough, share his kind of life story, how he got out to Alberta and what he's been doing with real estate, his family's real estate journey and what he's doing now and gives some great insights into the Peterborough area, which is an absolutely exploding area is going and is going to continue to explode in our opinion over the next 10 years for sure as the GTA in the greater Toronto area just kind of spreads across Ontario. And so we get into all that kind of stuff on this episode. And if you are listening to this and you want to get into real estate investing yourself, you can come to the free introductory class that thousands of investors have now come to. We, we hold that about once a month. It's virtual right now. You can register for that and grab yourself a Zoom seat by visiting CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. We share examples of all the properties we're dealing with currently, right now in 2022, with real estate investors, the cash flow numbers on those properties, the areas across Ontario that we find interesting right now. We share all of that during that class. Nick and I are both there, and we stick around after to handle all the Q&A that comes up. We do that about once a month, and you can register for that class at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Mitch Cleary. Hello, and hello. Mi- and Mitch was just sharing. Go on your podcast. What? What? You just uh, putting yeah, out your first episode? Just putting out the first episode. We. I was back and forth like, what's it going to be called? What's it going to be about? What's it? And it's like every week I just talk about real estate in Peterborough on a YouTube channel that's got like a, you know a couple hundred people following it, which is not. But in Peterborough, people are really in the dialogue. Like I get, I think who's actually watching this, and and uh, like obviously two hundred people is like a if you're presenting in person in a room, that's enough people. Like people get, you get nervous to talk in front of 200 people. Um, but it's just a number online. You don't know who's actually listening, but then I'll get phone calls like, Hey, the one thing you said about that. And I'm like, okay, people are actually listening. So I should just put these videos on podcasts. Cause I know for me, you know, when you get a YouTube uh, video that you really want to watch, but you don't have time and it's like an hour long and you're trying to go for a walk or something and you want to disconnect, go like airplane mode. I got to shut the phone off cause life's crazy. And you can't do it with YouTube. And if you even hit the button wrong, it like can't, you know what I mean? And you just want to listen to the video. So, so I'm starting to put, just put it on. It's just my YouTube, like market vlog. Yeah, the awesome, Peterborough awesome. area going up. What, what, on, how would people find it? If they just search your name, Mitch Cleary, is there a name of the YouTube channel? Probably it's going to be whatever my wife has named it by the end of this afternoon when she uploads it. Okay. She said, do you have a name? She said, do you have a name? And I was like, no. Okay, so you know what? Like, we'll yeah. put a link to your YouTube channel in the show notes of this episode that's so amazing. that people can yeah, find it, right? That's amazing. So, and yeah. then what are you What are you sharing? You're sharing market insights into Peterborough. And the reason that you know Peterborough, tell me more. You grew up there and your mm-hmm. family's from there or your family was building homes there. What's the story again? Yeah, so family is like multiple generations back way back actually just fun point just because it's new info to me so it's still uh uh super interesting as i went on ancestry.ca recently and uh man that rabbit hole because i know you guys have heard you guys talk the genealogy and and uh uh so so it goes so far back that the so peter robertson peterborough is peter robertson was like basically the original settler um who who was sort of taking the ship manifest back and forth between Ireland, England, and landing new settlers and giving them their parcels when they were settling uh, the sort of like, you know, central eastern section down around Peterborough. And Thoreau, what was the and guy's last name? So Peter Robinson was his, Peter Robinson was his name. That's who Peter, like oh, Peter, his that's Petersboro. Peter. It's Petersboro. That's, Peter, you know, but Peterborough. So, but, but so it's not, but we went back in Ancestry.ca and found some of the original uh, some of the, the, the ship manifesto on there, which is incredible. But the family goes back from 1815. They landed, came from Quebec, went down to Peterborough, 
and then they were in uh, just outside. I think they moved to like the Duro area. But so many, many, many generations back, like my family's been um, there since since the early 1800s, basically the Clearies. Um, and then my 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 grandfather uh, Leo um, was was a home builder in Peterborough, and he, his business was it was it was carpentry, small home building. He 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 was in the Second World War, and when he came home, he went full time building. Um, and then my father, they were a family of 10. My father was the youngest and he took over that, uh, home building business, um, and, and, and grew it up to a decent size where as long as I could remember, like I was always employed on a construction site growing up, uh, sweeping houses, you know, like you're supposed to be 16 to be on a job site. I was 16 for six, seven years in a row where yeah, like yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if the, if the ministry came by, like, how old are you? Like you look really 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're like 11. Yeah. 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 So, and, and, uh, they, they, there was a lot of like the good years in like, uh, 2005, stuff like that. When the market's strong, um, the family's been consistently building, you know, between like 20 to up to like 60 homes a year. Um, so all through my childhood, obviously my dad was a workaholic and, uh, everything we talked about around the house was real estate construction, like 24 seven. That's all it was. You know, like if you were in the truck with dealing with unions, you probably had union talk. I don't know. That was always in (sighs) our, that's just gotten there. Yeah. We, that, that battle just began, uh, couple of years ago and that one yeah yeah there's yeah there's always different definitely different union things on the job sites what were you doing when you said you were sweeping what were you doing just cleaning up the houses after they were being built trying to keep up with a laborer named gary um who i love the guy still probably put back like and this is how you learn how to drink more than three coffees a day when you're like 12 you know what i mean and like holy cow no wonder he's got so much energy and just run around trying to trying to help help the labor just as like a, as a laborer's helper um and and trying to keep up just literally cleaning up sweeping floors picking up garbage you got brick like the brick layers come through i'm laughing because that's exactly what yeah. i did yeah that's exactly i was but i was the laborer not of the general contractor i was the laborer of the drywall company so all i had to pick up was the drywall pieces. Yep. So, you know, the drywallers would go in, throw up the drywall, and there would just be drywall everywhere. Yep. And I had to go scoop up all the drywall and then get it into the garbage bin. Yep. Um, and then I had to scrape. And in condos, which you didn't, you did single family homes, but in the condos, yep. when the tapers would go in, the 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 taping you have to scrape yeah i would scrape floors of condominiums i think one time my father left me in a condominium and he said scrape these three floors behind the tapers (laughs) i was there i think for like two weeks two weeks of scraping and i had a a sony walkman back then this is how old i am i had a sony walkman i I think i was listening to some i don't even know what i was listening to yeah and just scraping floors and if i think back now like i was had no mask like i just oh yeah <laughs> white dust all over oh, you. Yeah, your eyes I was breathing it all in. Yeah, yeah, disaster. So to to know that there was other people out there doing that kind of thing <laughs> oh, makes yeah. me happy. Oh, yeah, like I wasn't the only one. Mitch is out there doing the same oh, thing. It's a good. It's like the most organic education on construction you can ever get because you're just like. You, you go to throw out something and some guy yells at you like, why'd you throw that out? I need that. I'm like, well, look just like the other stuff. And they're like, no, no. And you just kind of like uh, school of hard knocks. Like you just get yelled at about for so many things and eventually you like start to figure it out, you know? And I think getting yelled at is like healthy when you're young because it just teaches you about the world a lot. Because now when people yell at me, I mean, I'm, you know, whatever, it doesn't bother me. But I, even in my late twenties and stuff, I had been yelled at so much <laughs> on construction sites. Like people could freak out and you kind of remain calm because you're just like, just it's part of the communication. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. like 100%. Normal. Yeah. So how did you, so you were doing that, but then I guess more recently, you why were you out in Alberta? Basically, I mean, I'd worked for the family business on and off all my life um, up until. So this is your teenage years and into your 20s? Yeah, this was in um, 2011. Our, the housing market turn in Peterborough. The, turn this way a little bit so this beautiful camera can get. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, there we go. There yeah. we go. There we go. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So 2011, the housing market here, it was kind of like the, the lag, like the, the fizzle out of the, the, the subprime uh, fallout in 2008 had finally like rippled through, like just the financial, like the, the cogs and everything were slowing down and, and the housing market was so slow in Peterborough um, to the point where I remember having getting yelled at over the phone doing some sales for my dad from local agents where we weren't cooperating in full we were basically given a, a referral like a flat fee which was common back then um and and to point where where the guys would come over and try and and try and uh, uh you know 
strong arm you? Yeah, and and Pat would just say, "Look, I've been Pat's in this your pro- father. My father, yeah. Look, I've been in this project for for ten years. I've got all this capital in this house. It's oh, sitting here, shit. and you're making the same amount of money on this as I am." Get out. You know what I mean? It was like, because there was points when the margin, like if you paid a realtor two and a half percent, the mar- like there was, the margins were so, so thin. Because your you know? father had sat on this project in this land and was carrying the costs of this project for a decade. When things so were he good. Was, he and was making payments on the land costs. And when things are good, you're specking so far ahead because it's like, and when I say spec, I mean building on spec, like building, you know, we build out, you'd always be carrying like five specs in a subdivision. This was a, this was when you're, when you're building 20 to, to 40 some odd a year in this one site you're always keeping a few ahead to have more models to show people. Um, and, and they're just the easiest sales process. You finish it, it's turnkey, boom, turn it around. Um, and, and so, so we got, you know, we stuck with a lot of specs all of a sudden when things just got really slow and, and the, the Peterborough housing market back then we used to be carrying like six, seven months of inventory. You know, you hear numbers now, like we're, Peterborough's consistently been below like half two, a month. Two weeks, yeah. Two yeah, weeks. two weeks, it has. So you guys were carrying six to seven months of inventory. Carrying specs and it's a race to the bottom because other builders are too. So everyone's cutting prices Everyone's, maybe? that's it. The margin just wasn't when, there. When was this? What year? So this would be 2011. Okay, I was going to say 10. 2010, 2011. 2011. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so 2011 and then basically at the same time when things were super slow there, it was just a grind. Um, I hadn't really ventured out from the family business my whole life. I'd gone to school for, uh, started at U of T, started studying architecture. Um, it was a little bit too high level. And I talked to a lot of architects who had done the full, you know, like seven years done all and, 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 and they were miserable, miserable people. I was like, I had this vision of being like an artist and, and like creating and, and they were all like these overworked, super tired, underpaid guys. Like that. And I was just like, it shattered my vision of what it meant to be one. And then my dad just said, well, I mean, Hey, if you're, if you're into the single family home stuff, like we got a job for you. So I just flipped and went to uh, Loyalist college in Belleville for architectural technology and which is just residential drafting basically. Oh, cool. Okay. And then figured I couldn't sit at a computer all day, went and did site super, supervision for my dad once I had some credentials but at that point I was still a little bit too young but people had seen me all my at that point they've already you seen me what for you were a decade doing. they yeah. all knew me but but then I went and uh, was doing site supervision for him then a bit of sales and it got to the point where I just had to spread my wings a little bit and at simultaneously when the real estate market was just about as flat as it could be relatively speaking in Canada and in Peterborough um, the oil market was booming in yeah, Alberta back then that. that was when I remember yeah. then because we actually back then we're doing a lot of rent to owns, which we hardly do anymore, yep. but we were doing rent to owns in Hamilton. We had people walking away from a rent to own property that they yeah. had maybe given us like $15,000 as an option fee on yeah. to buy the property because they were going to work in Fort McMurray yeah. and kill it. Yeah. And they were like, listen, I know I'm losing this, but the opportunity out here in Alberta is so big. I'm out of here. And we were, sh- Nick and I were like, you know, you're not getting that money. Remember our discussion? <laughs> like you're not getting that yeah. money back if you don't buy this house. And they were like, we know, yeah. but we're out of here. And sometimes we would, if they were good tenants, we would cut a deal. We would, you know, give them a few months rent free or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that was shocking during Did that people time. would walk on They that. would just They're- walk because I forget what they told me they were making, but it was such a big income difference to what yeah. they were making and whatever they were doing in Hamilton that they were like, we're gone. Gone, yeah. So it was back then, I was, and I was partway through my real estate license back then, and I remember being fascinated with this number, 100 grand a year. Some of my buddies who had, who had graduated like Western University Business School, and they were working with these, you know, they're doing doing analytics with hedge funds, and some of these guys were starting to make, all, a very select few of my friends could claim that they were getting near six figures, which back then, it was like, I feel oh, like that was like two, 250 grail. or something yeah. of that, of like relatively speaking, it was a big number. And I remember thinking these realtors in town are making 100 grand a year I was like whoa that was I was like and then and then all of a sudden I looked at the how few of them were making it what a kind of a slugfest it was and then all my buddies anybody who was able-bodied and could put up with just taking the same construction like like rapping that we'd already just talked about as like through our childhoods if you could put up with that kind of shit and abuse and you could go for two three weeks at a time up north you can make 100 grand a year simple as that so it was just like i had that so point. who hired you like what company hired you on an neighbors oil? neighbors production services so and it was what an, were you doing service rigs uh so so there's there's drilling rigs and there's service rigs and the service rigs uh basically service when primarily when pumps go down is what we we're working on sag d operations so sag d uh steam assist gravity drainage they go down there's two wells for every one production well wow. there's a steam you well sound like an egg. Well. okay yeah and they did basically they're pumping 
pumping steam into the ground all the time to soften up this this hard oil reserve. When you think of tar sands, people always visualize these open pit mines, but what they don't realize is that, that when you see those open pit mines, big big tr uh, dump trucks, they're literally scooping it out of the ground. It's only feasible to do that up until so far down. Like you, there's 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 limits to how deep they can mine. I think feasibly and I think environmentally, but there's I think it's around 200 meters if if I'm remembering correctly, where that's where basically from there you go into slant wells and then below that there's still that same formation of oil if you visualize it in like a you know if you're slicing the oil, the, the ground into into slices or you're looking at like a cake the same thing that's right at surface in fort mcmurray you just go a couple kilometers each direction and it starts going where instead of at 200 meters or 150 meters or almost at surface it's 300 meters down 400 meters down 500 meters down exact same oil <laughs> tar sands but you can't in a gas well or in like an oil well in say Saudi Arabia, these things are a naturally pressurized uh, because because of the, the 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 ground pressure of that gaseous formation. It's it's just like looking for somewhere to go, but it's a very light liquid. Like there's certain spots, even Alberta, where the oil comes out and it looks like something you could put in your put in your vehicle and burn it right away. But the tar sands or 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 um, the oil sand, it's mixed in. It really is sandy, and it's like a, the consistency of it when it's cold is like a hockey puck. And so you can't just drill down and have an operating well. They have to pump steam down there, but they're very problematic uh, uh, pump mechanisms. They're bound to failure because they're in like a 200 degree Celsius chamber where all the steam's being pumped down to heat up Got and it. melt the bitumen so they can liquefy it and move it up. So it's very hot and it's very sandy. So these pumps are going down all the time. So you'll have some operations like work with Shell, work with ConocoPhillips, work with uh, Suncor towards the end mostly. And uh, these they'll have pads of, three, 400 pumps and they're going down all the time. So you're on a crew that's Holy on an smokes. oil rig and you're just pulling pipe in and out of the ground, changing pumps, putting them back in. Got it. And so you didn't need to have that much skill to this. They could train you on this thing. Come and work here. As long as you're willing to put in the hours, we'll show you training was do. on the job. We just need people, people, bodies. Uh, so this is Fort McMurray area. <clears throat> this is all Fort McMurray area. So it was like as quick as people could show up. And once our Peterborough buddies all started, we all got a reputation. They knew we were like these kind of blue collar, small town guys. We were very similar to the companies based out of Red Deer and Red Deer and Peterborough are almost like carbon copies. Are it's they like been a, to Red Deer? Yeah, maybe yeah, size versus wise. like size wise and just yeah. sort of the sort of like in the between like bigger cities, collegey kind of. in between. Yeah, yeah like yeah. our proximity, like just like their proximity to you know us between like Toronto and kind of Ottawa. They're yeah. like Edmonton and yeah. Calgary. They're kind yeah, of in between, it. and it's like it. they yeah. have. The, it felt very similar. So we kind of just this crew of Peterborough guys was down there, and then if you knew somebody who vouched for you, you instantly you were out working before wow. there was almost no HR process. Call somebody, they got you fit in coveralls. You were up north for like three weeks working. Um, three weeks, and then do you come home for a week? Is that why you're saying three weeks? It was weeks? supposed to be three weeks. Yeah, twenty one on. Okay. The minimum reset period was three days, so we did that quite a bit. So you would just take three days off. Three days Where off. Where are you living in a motel there in Fort McMurray? That's when the, the prices place, were like, crazy. You couldn't find housing up there. Um, we we were living <laughs> back then. We were living. There was like eight of us renting these two sets of fourplexes side by side. All Peterborough guys, all like twenty one, all making hundred grand a year. Oh, it was a it was shit <laughs> show. That's, a, that's a student rental oh, yeah. on fire. Holy oh, yeah. shit! All making a hundred grand when a year, like in our young twenties. No wonder like, the price yeah. of Tim Hortons coffees up there were no, going through yeah, the roof. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. are all flying around throwing money around oh, everywhere. Oh, but wow. so that's funny. Was that's a deep dot tangent down that. But then once you go to that, like, so here's the thing is I went out there and I, I did that for, for a little bit of time and I made my money and you save it so quick because you're not spending the money. Like Nothing you're in a real do. estate business, you're out, you're wine and dining with people. You have all these business expenses. You're literally locked up in a camp while you're up there working. A lot of them are dry. Um, and even when you're not, if you, if you're at a place where you could spend any money, you're working such crazy hours. You can't you're only get so much in trouble yeah. and then you come home and you only even have so much time to spend the money so you're just banking it at such a your savings wow. rate is huge um but then i decided hey this is this is quite the racket i'm out here minus 40 all the time i know i have the smarts to go and finish i was obsessed with economics i was like you guys always self-educate and read and reading reading um you know i'd be there back like back in the room reading you know books about the federal reserve and i was like i want more there's got to be more than this i want to keep expanding so i went to go back to university I went back to university of toronto after I think it was like a year and a half on the rigs and uh and I, I wanted to go for I went for financial economics this time I was still a member in good standing after my year of sort of general studies with a minor in architecture went to go do uh, financial economics want to go hedge fund direction go wow. I'll do all that and and uh I thought those guys were the masters of the universe they understood everything they didn't you know what I mean and and so so but then after like one year all these kids are like yeah I'm graduating next year at that point I'm I'm in my 
bit later 20s and I'm with these 18 year olds like one of my buddies just graduated he got hired making 70 grand his first year at this like accounting firm and I was like what <laughs> 70 grand like yeah like with any luck he'll be making 100 within like five years and I just was like what am I doing I'm going back to the rigs and I just I was like you just did the math on it and you're like over under on your your cost of university at 20k a year and then living in Toronto and like how deep I was going into debt and I was like, how am I ever going to get out ahead of missing four more years of making a hundred towards the end? I, like, and I was up to frustrating more. feeling when you have those realizations. No, yeah, it was. And it was just like, what have we been? We've been fed a bill of goods on that whole education. I was like, why would I not? It was so clear. It didn't matter whether I was smart enough to finish university or not. I was like, I'm going to go make a hundred grand a year for the next four years, bank 60 K a year and then do, you know, and you, so is that what you did? You went back. Went back for, for another shit. basically four years wow. to the rigs because it was still the family business was still here. It was all good. It was I could come come there, but but it, but there was no hundred hundred twenty grand a year position for me. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, totally, like yeah, yeah. Here, Mitch, yeah welcome yeah. to the family business. Like you Usually, know what I mean? Yeah, like here's twelve bucks. Yeah, not <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. So um, yeah. So yeah. then you're there for four more years, and then what does the is that when the energy whole thing changes in Alberta? So by time, what happened then was it came around, I was in a position where I didn't know if I would ever be able to get out of it because I'd found myself in such a beautiful little um, position with, with, we were contract to Suncor, one of their main contracts, company called ProStar Oil Services. And they were, um, they had some like proprietary technology that they almost like sort of co-developed with Suncor, um, different rig systems than what the conventional, conventional rig is like a crane with a block and tackle system where there's just uh, ropes on pulleys and that's how they convey. It's like a okay. really heavy, super duty weight crane is essentially all it is. Uh, that's what the rigs are. And this thing ran on what they call a rack and pinion system. So it had the ability to push pipe into the ground rather than just lift it up. Oh wow! And that was unique because a lot of these wells down there, they go... Uh, straight down until what they call the tip-off point where the oil is. They get into the pay zone, they go straight down, and then once they're in the oil, they turn straight sideways, and they just go sideways for about a kilometer because the more pipe you can get in like the pay zone, the more, the more you're the more, the more re yeah, wow. for that for the well. So, so, so they had a technology where they could push this pipe into the ground, and it was a great job. Suncor loved this company. It was a good relationship. So I was on a two-week-on, two-week-off schedule, which is unheard, impossible to find biggest part about the rigs was that the schedules were always so up in the air they were unreliable so at that point I was already I was living back in Ontario I built the house here I was in Peterborough I was flying there for two weeks I was flying back I was making great money and I was and I was home for two weeks off and when I was off you were off you know not like this business where you're never really yeah, off real you know like, never off if yeah, you yeah. can get 15 minutes oh, or gosh. you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. um but but in that I was totally so I thought this is it for me I don't know what's gonna happen this is this is pretty good gig and then the fires hit in Fort Mac and I was out of work for basically an indefinite period of time. What year was that? So is that like, are we I think that was six, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Seven or 16, pardon me. Okay. Like I was 16. Say 18, I, I think off. it was okay, 16. 2016. I think it was right around May of 16. Okay. Um, and at that point, so I came home, I was sitting and we were just waiting on when things would fire back up on our rig. And a lot of those man camps that we were stationed out of to do our job were occupied by Fort Mac residents, uh, like emergency protocol, people were being moved into the camps. And not only that, we they weren't going to start up these jobs and bring more people into these camps and bring more people who were non-residents of Alberta and all this stuff, like oh, non-necessary activity when the fires were going on. It was like everything stops. And it was like every two weeks, we'll call you in two weeks with another update. And a couple months went by. And at that point, I was like, A, I got overhead. I got stuff on the go. I got truck. I got house. I got... I'm, and, and B, I'm, I like to work. I got to do something. Mm -hmm. I got to know what's going on. Is this... And we all... The more we all analyzed it from the outside, all of us guys were like, this could be four months right now until the things get back to what we considered normal. And even when it does, it might not fire up right away and it's going to be a select people, less hours. And so everyone had to make the choice. Are you going to ride it out for four months and just pick up a side gig? And that's... I opted. I was just going to go kill some time with my dad because 2016 crazy real estate market um he was building down in curtis ontario which is just yeah, right yeah. around bowmanville yeah cool um they had 35 lots down there that they'd sold out basically in like two weeks and they had this crazy closing schedule couldn't find a reliable site supervisor they were just going through the motions and i was there again just helping with at this point i had moved up the ranks i was in carpentry tasks whatever but i was non-committal i was just carpentry. there oh, Carp you know what i mean i was like, like rough like, carpentry yeah basically like you know how um like service work with i understood a lot of at this point about how a house comes together and could go just do 
do service and like finish punch out list stuff yeah, in the houses yeah. and whatever. I own I own a bunch of tools, all that stuff, right? And then at that point, it you're was you're not like, a laborer anymore, man. No, I was, that's it, man. I was up the you know so 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 at that point it was it was um like the the market here was going so crazy. Didn't have a, a definite job in Alberta and they needed a site supervisor here. So I got roped back into, or I shouldn't say that we, me and my dad came back to an, you know, like, Hey, look, I'll help you close these, uh, 35 homes in, in, uh, Curtis. And, uh, we'll, we'll just work. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And then it rolled into, I ended up the same thing. The market kept going. It was crazy. in Peterborough did another year site supervising there in Peterborough closed out. Like in the period there, we, we did, uh, gosh, you know, it was, it was the better part of, probably 70 some odd homes in, in that span that, that, that we oversaw. And, um, it was good. Invaluable experience. So you never went back to Fort McMurray. Never went back. So um, did it ever ramp up back to how it was? It did. It did. Okay. And so yeah. I actually, I shouldn't say I never went back because I, I still had good lines with all those fellas and eventually ramped back up. Um, and, and there was a point where I just needed to, the, the, the site supervision, I knew long-term, it just wasn't where I was going to land and, uh, needed a bit of time to think. I had, had my second kid on the way and was just kind of buying some time. Went back out there for like six months while I figured out getting my real estate license. So I started my real estate got license, made, went there for a bit, got the license. And then that was, so that's, and then, and then two and a half years in business now in real estate. So why yeah. was the site supervision stuff not your thing? Was it because it was family business or really the role wasn't for you? It's a very, very difficult, very demanding, extremely Dealing demanding with all position. the trades. <clears throat> You're managing schedules, a lot, a lot of, of problems, supply Always issues. Supply issues. Um, then the closing. So then you have the customers closing, complaining about things not being done. You're just managing personalities. Labor issues, like your yeah, labor it's shortages. A lot. It's a lot, yeah. um, and really like a, how do you explain it? Like, you know, if you're, if you're like a manager at RBC, you're managing manageable people. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you, know, you know, you know, on a construction <laughs> site. Yeah. It's just full of characters and I love those characters, I, but they're yeah. all full of characters. I remember these one, these, these two guys that used to do the spray ceilings on mm-hmm. in a subdivision and mm-hmm. they would roll up in a van that looked like from like a black van that had like a red stripe on the side. Remind me of the A team, like a show from like where forever ago. And they would pop out the back with all their equipment <laughs> inside was all sprayed white. Like this van was a disaster yeah. and they would roll into these houses and spray down <laughs> these houses. Like the fastest I've ever, like they were amazing, but to actually communicate with them, to get them to do the house they should be doing on, on, <laughs> on the day that they should, like they would just yeah. randomly choose like the wrong house to do that wasn't actually done so they would they would do actually a great job but because it was the wrong house we would have to go and like damage some ceilings do some repair work or something and they would have to go back it was just chaos. oh it yeah just, it's just just to communicate like a basic thing like please do lot 64 and not 66 yeah they couldn't get that would never happen you know <laughs> oh, yeah. like just like wow oh how does this yeah work? You know? oh yeah i remember supers yelling at them and geez. anyway sorry i'm you're giving me no flashbacks. no me flash- totally that's like because i mean i don't know where i was going with any of it i appreciate i'm pure bored everybody and we've lost no, no, everybody already no, but no, no. but um but that's the thing site supervision is very difficult and it's chronically sort of like an underpaid position you know where where nobody is really making for that the the amount of responsibility you have on your back the deadlines the stress and and when you have these deadlines with terry on like when people are signing these forms and and you got people that have sold firm on the other end of something and then they got these construction dates and you're starting punching holes in the ground and in the winter sometimes you're putting straw on and off like you you gotta frost proof these things and you can't get guys to help you're out there it's like being a a manager of a subway restaurant where if if all these these people don't show up on a weekend you're driving from your cottage to go to go make sandwiches at night it's like if someone if, if people don't go, want to go chuck straw on a saturday or get ready to pull it off so the form crew can come in and whatever the, the it's on it falls on your shoulders right here, and, yeah. and you're always running so, so the real hard. estate license yep. was the was the way to go the re- so, so the, you got the yeah. real estate license and then you come back and just jump right into real estate? Basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can your dad be a source of clients? Your dad's selling. So can you use your real estate license? Totally, totally. Okay. It was a it was a good good jump start for sure. Like he had some stuff on the What's go. What's the name of your dad's company? Cleary Homes. Cleary. Oh, Cleary okay. I should have probably known that. No, Cleary no, Homes. no. Okay. Cleary Homes. Yeah. Mitch Cleary from Cleary Homes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're selling then your dad, you're helping your dad sell some stuff. Yeah. Is that how you get into the real estate game? Um, I guess in essence, and then and then we have a big family in town because like ten, family of ten, so aunts and uncles and cousins and whatever. 
Um, like the first day, like I had my license first week, had a listing with my aunt and then that my one cousin was looking to buy. And then it just, it rolled really good. And uh, thankfully it was one of those things because of the family business growing up and because of my background in the construction, I'd been having these conversations with people for years. I was one of my first friends to buy a house originally and sort of, and then have it, have an investment property like early on in the game from working out West and whatnot. So it was sort of organic. I was always having these discussions with people anyhow about real estate and about houses. So, so, so people already flip, they flipped over real quick where as soon as I had that, um, title, it didn't take long to like a lot of my friends, we'd already been talking and they knew I was obsessed with real estate forever. Way back. I was always like trying to show like rich dad, poor dad, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're passing out books, I was always passing out books to people. Are you cool? Yeah. So people kind of, that it just went from there. And then, so in Peterborough, where you start doing, because I feel like you work with some investors right now. All, well, you do everything. A pretty good doing- blend. Like the investors have, the investors have, um, like we just sold a place last night for some investors who were, who were, who were cashing out on one of their places. Um, and obviously sold, we sold it to some investors who are entering the market right now. It was an off market. So how um, would you describe for someone who's not familiar with Peterborough? I just feel like Peterborough's for you guys living in the area, you're probably pissed off because it's like exploding and it's going to continue to explode <laughs> whether you want it to or not. Yeah. The people are coming whether yeah. you want it to or not. So Peterborough, the way you remember it growing up, it's gone. <sighs> totally. It's, it's gone and it's going gone. to continue to change. But for someone living in Toronto, how could, can you describe Peterborough? Like what is, what are the types, types of houses out there? What are some price points in 2020? Yeah. Just give us like paint a picture for someone who's not from the area. Totally. Um, because a lot of people think of Peterborough and think, well, I'm clo- you know, just like cottage country right there. Yeah. Like, so do, how do you explain Peterborough to someone who's not from that area? Yeah. So we do get a lot of, um, obviously a lot of, there's a lot of boomers, uh, looking for waterfront properties now, like sort of, um, COVID was their push over the edge. Like I might move out of the city someday. And there was a really big influx of that. Like, um, they're at the point where, okay, I'm retiring now. A lot of people, so the, our waterfront absolutely exploded as much as our, um, our prices in the city exploded the waterfront. Because are there lakes just right around Peterborough? Very close. Um, I feel yeah, like, like I've been at lakes all in different areas around Peterborough. Totally. And there is so so to the south, there's Rice Lake. Like from from you know 15 minutes to the south, there's there's Rice Lake, beautiful lake, um, great fishing, um, and 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 then you know d- depending on where you are, like if you're downtown Peterborough, Rice Lake, you could probably get there in 20 some odd minutes. And then if you're downtown Peterborough, going north, you can be to Shimong Lake within probably about the same amount of, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. So, and then, and then those are all, there's, there's, uh, Shimong, Stony, um, Pigeon, all these lakes are connected on the Trent Severn waterway, which is actually one of our biggest, um, like national and provincial assets. They have put so much money in that, um, damming system because it was basically, it was an economic resource back when we were such a logging um, oh god! So that's industry. how they pulled out the, the lumber from the back area? in the day. It started transitioning, like from you're talking way up where you're going for. You can go from you know Simcoe all the way down into basically like Lake Ontario. Uh, in in a lot of so so some lakes are you get a lot of landlocked lakes around Ontario or, or in around Peterborough and Havelock area, and then you get a lot of them that are on that on the uh, Trent Severn Waterway on 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 the the canal system. And, uh, you, you, that's what Peterborough's lift. The lift lock is, is one of the most important, like it was a pivotal part in the process of completing that system. Um, like an engineering feat to have that hydraulic lift lock. It's, it's one of it's, it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big deal. It's, it's starting to fail now, but, but, um, but that whole system. So we're connected on the system. So from those lakes are very sought after lakes because you can go, really far in a boat. If you're a boater, you're not trapped on your little lake. Sure. All those lakes are beautiful. They're connected. Yeah. So they're really good lakes. So you do have, you have the waterfront. Um, and then in Peterborough, we have a regional hospital. So you're pulling from even this far, like Coburg, mm-hmm. a lot of people will know Coburg down by the water and stuff like that. Peterborough serves a large area with its hospitals. Um, for a long time before we had this recent sort of like COVID, like GTA exodus boom, we were more we were an older population than Ontario as a whole so we we're more of a retirement community generally speaking but we have a university we have Trent University um, we have Sir Sanford Fleming College um, and we have Seneca College which is a flight school so we have a pretty good student population so there's a good student rental base um, there's a there's sort of a good uh, downtown core we were forever were known by people who frequented like or followed live music Peter was a really good downtown sort of um, 
eating bars live music scene like that a lot of really like the old non-franchise like establishments a lot of good old bars down there in the downtown core um and so so peterborough you have the waterfront absolutely um other, other than that our employment there basically is hospitality stuff surrounding that all that waterfront and entertainment space we have the hospital we have education and, and, and that's, that's the biggest thing is that our industrial, it started as an industrial town, uh, Peterborough, the electric city is kind of one of its old monikers. And that's because it used to be, there were so far advanced in the hydroelectric damming hmm. because we had the river, the autonomy river mm-hmm. is an extremely powerful river and the section from the top, just North of Peterborough near Lakefield, uh, down to there's a little Lake in the middle of the town. There's a big amount of fall. So there was a lot of, it's very powerful water. They used it for a lot of logging mills and then hydroelectric damming. So at the start, back in the day, really the Peterborough thing was that we had a lot of electrical power there. And oh, so, cool. so um, GE had a very big presence oh, wow. there back in the day. Like that's my uncle, a lot of people, that was where they made their, their, their mainstay yeah, yeah, growing it. up was those jobs. Um, wow. So we've lost all our industrial job so to speak like a lot of that's leaving are you noticing the demographic change through this whole covid era where people from toronto are moving into places like peterborough because they just want out of the city are you here's the problem yeah we're we're getting all of the people we're absolutely getting all kinds of that so so to to answer the question about investors i would say over the last um year probably 50 percent of all my clientele has been like gta relocation but they're knowledge workers they're not coming here yeah, seeking work they're they keeping wa- their jobs in toronto yeah they just want a maybe a slower pace cheaper detached real estate might have a kid coming up don't want to call like be they can condo. work from home on a laptop exactly weird that really shattered that changed our changing so, peterborough it and here's the thing is to that effect like we could not respond quick enough with the growth like they could not have projected are there subdivisions being I've, I've, i think i've driven through a bunch of new ones are there subdivisions popping up around the outskirts of Peterborough? <sighs> so <laughs> I wouldn't say like little <clears throat> out, Okay, so when you use the term popping up, if I think of popping up, I think like a pop-up book, like you open the book, <laughs> it pops up. It's okay, like it so popped up. There's some Let's slow development way, like, of subdivisions happening? If you no? took like an extremely slow, slow motion, <laughs> like... You know, if you watch the time lapse of like a plant growing, like over a period of a year. What's like, Cleary Homes yeah. doing, man? Cleary Homes needs to produce some property. So that's it. We There's have no, a housing yeah. crisis in this province. Yeah. Can you help yeah. out or what? So Can this you? is, and, and you know what? And I feel, I'm glad we're on this topic now because I think this is more of the core of as much as uh, I, I appreciate um, how you do this with all your guests. I'm always interested too, because like how much I dove into my own personal story. I'm sure nobody really cares. It's like, hey, when's this guy going to stop talking? No, no, no. But, it's great. But, but, uh, cause I love hearing about all your guests in their lives cause it ties it in. But, but this is really the crux of what I love is the, the sort of the municipal, uh, land planning approvals. This is the guts of where the rubber meets the road of the entire conundrum we're in with this thing right now. So what 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 comes to mind then for so you? What is comes it just to slow mind? process or <sighs> yeah, like um, first of all, you you have so much restriction in terms of like on every level, provincial, right down to people's um, hesitation to have everyone wants more homes, but not near them. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Like you, the nimbyism is so strong. I, I, I like my, my father, obviously as a, as a, like a builder, a developer figure. And then I'm, I'm friends um, and develop close relationships with some of the other prominent builders in town. And they're actively seeking guys i'm taking profits where do i put all my what's next what's next they're like what's next so they can't get i guess they can find land for sale but they just then can't they're scared they won't be able to get the right zoning yeah the the municipal process that's it and a lot of they're they're holding back on building we're already at the point where a lot of the um land that that is what you would call sort of prime if you were to look at a map and just say come on like why aren't they building yeah yeah you're butting up on the municipalities now where the towns have grown them the municipal lines are starting to merge where you've got peterborough cra- like clashing with otonabi you got peterborough clashing with cavan okay, why, why does that matter because you got to strike deals and it just gets complicated whose oh. revenue whose infrastructure whose got it whose because water treatment systems whose tax right- base does this go to oh, whose property taxes and it's like so now it just gets so complicated right <clears throat> where you need the municipal because everybody's got their own incentives like the municipal actors in in schools, cabin schools need to be schools built schools need Roads, to be built sewer systems everything and then if it's all close to the different lines of different regions or different cities they're arguing about who's paying for what because if you build a subdivision area 
Is the school going to be in that area? Is it serving the other city? Do they contribute totally. to paying for that? Yeah. Like how far can we stretch gas lines? Whose water treatment system are we using? Who collects revenue from the tax base? Oh, like there's shit. all these discussions that go on and I only preliminarily know just through osmosis picking that stuff up. But um, you get that and, and there's just not enough land in, in the, the there's stories of projects and I'm talking like firsthand, won't name any names, but projects that have been totally green lighted, um, like mid-sized town, like, like three-story townhouse developments, um, you know, going to bring say 30 units online, fully approved. And then all of a sudden people in town come out with the pitchforks in a specific neighborhood where we don't want that traffic on this street. And, and, and essentially what happens is that you'll have these, the municipal actors at the city level, they, they have pretty honest intentions of doing the right thing for everybody. But they want to get reelected. And they don't want, they don't get paid enough to deal with the BS that people put on them where all of a sudden you get like a thousand people that will form these neighborhood coalition groups and really just almost protest. Like they'll put signs up, they'll raise awareness, they'll go out, they'll pick it, they'll call. There's been instances where they just basically would hound the municipal officials, call their lines, clog up their emails until they basically succumb to the pressure of re-reviewing applications that were already approved to the point where it's like another traffic study, another traffic study, another, another land use planning study. And so these developers would sort of speak like one, one good, you know, friend and associate there say like, he's saying, I'm at the point where I'm doing studies on my studies because every time this backlash comes from the NIMBYism, Mm -hmm. The wedge in the middle is you have uh, the municipal councilors, city council um, that that, that want to get things done, but they get they're torn between yeah. such, and then they just don't get paid enough. And to, if those you know, are the people who are reelecting you back into your spot, and you're not financially independent yourself, you're kind of depending on that municipal your ward, job, yeah, your, to get reelected, and they're threatening you. Um, so you're worried you're not going to get reelected, so you just issue another traffic study to delay things. Delay, like that's it. Jeez. And so it really is. We're destined to never have enough have housing no, in Ontario. People <laughs> always say, destined. "What is the solution?" And We're you destined. mentioned it, like. I heard your talk with, was it Sa- Sasha? Yeah, 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 yeah. And how do you say yeah. his last name? I know you nailed it. Yeah, Chuchu's now. Chuchu, now I yeah, Chuchu, yeah, like yeah, a train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before. yeah I had it all wrong. Yeah. I, it all I remember because he, he nailed it about um, like, and you guys, this discussion keeps coming around about will homeownership as a goal fade away? And I am more and more on the thought that it will like look yeah. at so here's and for you to have that thought you're 33 you said birthday tomorrow yeah, yeah. <laughs> we won't share the date we won't share the date today so no one will figure yeah. out exactly but yeah. birthday tomorrow 33 yeah turning 33 tomorrow yeah um you're having that realization now that maybe the whole idea of people owning their own homes is pat is moving on like that's shocking to me that like your generation would start having these thoughts. Well, here's the thing. It's, it's in not Canada with totally. as much land as we have. It's but dependent on you see all these memes like out there, you know, it's like uh, on, on Instagram where it's like the millennials are like this waiting for this housing market to fall over. They're like, right, they think they can poke it with a stick and it's ready to go. And they're waiting for this relief. Like they're waiting for it's not coming. No, they're it's not coming no. for many reasons, not only for the global debt issues that are causing interest rates to stay low forever, which drives hard asset prices like real estate. But then the municipal challenges that we have where nobody wants anything built in their backyard, whether it's downtown Toronto or Peterborough or, you know, I don't know, Milton, Hamilton, no one, Guelph, nobody wants anything built next to them. You got this problem where easy money comes into the system. There's no new housing created. Prices go up. Then the children of the people complaining that they don't want new houses built They'll also then complain why prices are so expensive and their kids have nowhere to live. Uh, it's and, and I know <laughs> it's I know like, and it's like, like the only, you can't even make this up. No, and even no, it's so true. It really is. People got to understand. Like everyone's like, well, once rates go up, like prices are going to drop. And it's but you don't understand. Relative affordability will not change. Yes, prices will drop because the monthly cost of ownership, and I'm talking like an extreme interest rate sure. scenarios where just the most basic math, if we, if they ever, and I don't believe they will raise them as much as they, like here mm-hmm. we, here we go already with Ukraine, like here's announcement supposed to be tomorrow. Just wait, just wait. Like, well, I, I feel like at this point, it's like, you know, it may be less than 50% odds, but there's a chance that they waffle tomorrow. I know. You know what I mean? I there's know. a chance that we were all set. We we're like, okay, they're finally going to have to, <laughs> they're gonna, the rates no. are, they're going up now. And like there's there'll be no reason for them not to go up and now. 
out and then boom, the world changes. There's so much this government MMT, uh, like there'll always be some narrative upon which they can steer things exactly how they want, which is just they're it's inflation nation right now and they can't stop this train it's too nasty not under their umbrella you know um can they stop this train you know it's expanding faster than it's like it's beyond people don't understand this is so much bigger than yeah it, it, you, you can't conceptualize than, it. it's like the if a universe is expanding how do you it's like it's beyond it's gone the tigers out of the cage Ontario, like, it's, like yeah we just happen to be living in an area that has a a, a population growing with lack of new housing growth and low interest rates. So like we happen to be in an area, because a lot of areas in the States, they don't have the population growth that no, we have. Like exactly. Ohio, maybe through COVID, some cities have kind of emptied out a little bit. Definitely California's lost people and created demand, population changes. But like some places in Ohio, for example, aren't growing no. the way that we're growing. Like the, the influx that Peterborough's getting, that's not really normal for many areas in North America. Yep. And then no, the, the not fact that all. then Peterborough can't add, you know, you're, you're telling me that there's problems adding houses in Peterborough just because of the municipal kind of challenges that are going on with that. And then there's low interest rates that continue to be here forever. It just feels like there's just never ending cycle. I tend to agree, unfortunately, because you like, here's one, one beautiful, uh, how are we doing for time? No, we're good. We're good. good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is one, one thing that out of my fascination for this dove into people, people talk about it, unfortunately with optimism. And I say that in a sense, like they're like, well, what's the answer? Like, let's so we just got to sit down and talk and communicate. And you see like these MPs, you see these officials come over. Like we all just got to set our differences aside and figure this thing out as though it's possible. I don't believe it's possible. <laughs> I think that the I'm more so with you at this point, I just don't. Cause here's <laughs> like, the let's thing. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop. Yeah, like let's yeah. and cut on to the next, like, and this is what capital, this is the beauty. That's why I love these hedge fund managers. They're, 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 they're pragmatic. It's like, I don't care ethics right wrong what what is they want to see it for what it is it's very like it's like a not buddhist it, in a sense like be, just, just just what it is what it, yeah not no no hopes for the future of what it just a very clear objective viewpoint of what's the most likely scenario to play out here and when you look at california and you look at the UK, there's, there's, I actually did a segment on my YouTube channel there, which hopefully oh, I'm going to try and do. That we don't know the name of. We don't it's know. a great YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. And you should subscribe so, to it. So it's whatever my, the name my of YouTube it is. is. My YouTube channel. We're, look, we're going to uh, link to it. We're look it up. To Just it start typing. Just hope. Randomly yeah, yeah. start typing Type. Mitch and Peterborough and no, maybe you'll find it. It we'll will link, come up. It we'll will come li- up. We will yeah, link yeah. to it in the show notes totally. of this episode. Okay. So the podcast doesn't have a name, but my, my YouTube channel is just Mitch, Mitch uh, Cleary PTBL. Okay. Um, so it does Mitch, have a name, or, or, the, the, yeah. the YouTube channel. Yeah, YouTube okay, channel okay. does. Yeah, yeah, totally. We got that far. Okay, I've okay, actually good. been doing videos for better part of two years. I switched. I created a second channel just for Peterborough content because awesome. I realized I was boring people with these. Like, There's so many videos of it. They're like, what to look for when you're buying a home or whatever. There's just too many of them. So this is When we first chatted, I watched a couple of your videos. You're great at that stuff stuff so keep going Thank but anyway we're you. off topic so, you so, were, yeah so california there's all kinds of there's actually when i was looking into podcast topics and housing crisis and just doing a bit of like uh sort of more, like research into what what niches have not really been served within the podcasting canadian podcasting region because obviously like you guys are doing such a great job there's a few there's really more than good enough ones. There's, there's it's like how do you uh, need to do this and within the municipal sort of discussions i think there's some room there so i thought oh, i'll maybe cut my teeth in that and when you look at housing crisis just type it in in podcast i found four podcasts that were basically focused around California housing. And so they are so mature uh, in terms of their housing crisis and how many back and forth moves they've made on this. Like the, the discussions we're starting to have now, like they're so deep, they're decades into this. And wow. we're, we're all sitting here trying to have these like conversations for, for the first time. Like they've had them for the second, third, fourth time. The history, the playbook, the hit, not the playbook, because there is no playbook. The, the chronicled, dialogue recorded like like it's like a there's like a blockchain history of municipal failures to solve this problem through california it's all well like that's a good point it's it just hasn't worked here's what happens they've tried at the state level ramming through banning abolishing single family residential zone and it didn't work it didn't work every single time pitchforks come out like within the state you know you got Sacramento, Golden yeah. State, yeah. Cal, like like yep. you have all of these areas that are like hubs, like countries in and of themselves almost. Mm-hmm. They are just powerful. With a lot of people with money. A lot of people with money, a lot of special interest groups, a lot of forces there. Got it. So they could, so even though they pass something like that, people just kind of fight back. These bills have like made it, no, I only understand the American politics to to the fraction that I need to, to operate as a Canadian in our economy. And, and, and but every time these, these bills make it far enough through the house at the state level, it gets just totally flattened 
by these local actors and it doesn't get anywhere. So, cause they thought, well, we can't build too much land is set off for environmental, this, that, that the only way we're ever actually going to do this when we can't appropriate the land is we got to designate the existing single family residential to be more units so that basically everybody can own a fourplex and, and, or which is what I think Doug Ford is trying to push through in Ontario right now. Like just a month ago, didn't he say he was going to try and push that through right, right now? So they wouldn't be the first ones to try and do it. And I, the varying levels of success. So, so California has had success with accessory dwelling units and they've gotten it up to basically in, in several parts, it sounds like, uh, of the state where, where you can have three. So essentially uh, you can build an additional one and then you can have what we have is like, they don't have basement suites there. It's garages there. Cause obviously mo- sure. you don't have the basement yep. construction. Um, but most people can reasonably without getting like a rezone or being like an R2, R3, um, as we would look at it, they can have a lot of areas. They can have three apartments, Got it. but it's still one title. And, and just basically you can have an accessory dwelling unit, like a garage or laneway home, as we would think of them. Yep. Um, and then, and then, and then an actual one attached to like what would have been your garage, like a garage conversion, create another uh, unit. But when it comes to actually getting some of this, like just total swath rezoning and no future single family only zoning, because every single time nobody wants it near them because they're worried it's going to bring their property values same down. Problem. It's the same problem. And it just goes around in circle. And then further to that, look at how this has played out. Like, so, so California, when you, just as we can learn from California, when you listen to these, I, I ripped through probably total, probably went through like 10 of these episodes okay. of a podcast on California. Yeah. They look to the UK because the UK is our predecessor in many respects as well. Cause they're literally an Island. We are an artificial Island because we have, look at how much land we have. We just refuse to build on it because mm-hmm. we are Ontario and we're, you know, and, 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 and you can look at it good and bad for Peter both. Peterborough is our escape hatch, man. We get through the green belt there. And then we're <laughs> that's in Peterborough. It, man. That's it. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> people don't it's realize it is the, that's the, channel people don't realize the green belt it's blocked off or there's you can't use but it. they so they look at the uk that's interesting they're trying to learn from them like but but what successes can you point to same thing like their housing's astronomically expensive it's passed down from family to family now rents are astronomically expensive like where internationally where can you find one success story where it's like they broke through all this municipal minutia and they have affordable housing even in the face of population growth and cheap money there's no, no, no one really solves it. <laughs> I don't think anybody solved and it. It's kind of sad. Yeah. I guess it's because, and it's something that we've talked about that, you know, I guess because I can remember when it was possible for anyone leaving university, getting a reasonable job, mm-hmm. almost blue collar, white collar job, doesn't matter. You can kind of buy your first home because I have that as a memory. I feel like it should be that way. And I hate saying that maybe we're just getting past that and people just have to accept that they're going to rent because no one can aff- afford. And I can see how that's coming. Yeah. But part of me doesn't want to give in. I know. Because I feel like I like the Canada where people own homes and build some equity in the homes. And then if you layer on the economic debacle by the central banking system that is rewarding asset owners yeah. who happen to be homeowners, if you don't have a society or community that a lot of people own their own home, they're not benefiting from that. So it kind of just destroys the fabric and the culture of the area we live in. And it kind of bothers me. I know. Now so I, I be guess, it. I guess it's all a trade-off. Like, you know, like in every situation, it's all, there's only 24 hours in a day. You give one hour up for one thing. It means you lost another thing. What do you, and, and, and we only have so much land and we do have so yeah, much but land. When, you, when you think of infrastructure, so, it's difficult to spread across the country. Totally. It's the, the sprawl is what everyone wants to avoid. So you're, right? so, you're yeah. thinking that we just have to accept that that's going to happen. Well, here's a good example. You ever heard of a guy named Thomas Sowell? He's an economist. He's kind of like a Chicago okay, guy. Okay. Um, very prominent, like Hoover Institute, okay. like very one of these kind of... Um, Smart dudes? Libertarian, like extreme oh, okay. libertarian. Okay. I, I wouldn't say like, you know, Milton Friedman, like yep. extreme libertarianism, yeah. like everything will sort itself out. Free market economics. Uh, Thomas Sowell, very free market economics, but but he has a great book called The Housing Boom and Bust. And it's him chronicling uh, like the political rise, fall, and the, the back story of the, the 2007, 2008 subprime crisis, which was in the works much, sure. much before. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's all these, these, I can't even remember that. Like how's America acts and stuff that were in the work well before <clears throat> that, that predated people getting these subprime loans and the banks being not even be able to hold them on their uh, balance sheets. And it was more or less the government ramming it down their throat that they had to lend you to people to who weren't because home ownership as a goal, but throughout it all, a big story a big thing that follows in the storyline was the the parallels between or the differences between how california and 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 like florida and new york reacted in the in the run-up to the to the pricing spike and then and then the fallout versus um 
Texas. And the core difference, as he outlines, it is that these other places, the California markets, they, they rose higher and they fell much harder. The volatility was so insane. Um, and, and Texas was much more stable, didn't rise as much, didn't really fall as much as these markets that went, you know, dropped 40%. Um, and it was all to do with land use planning where they said Texas, they basically California is very similar to Ontario in a sense where like the, the green, uh, preservation, the, just how we have, you know, all our governing bodies, Orca, uh, wetlands, um, we're very, you know, socially liberal, so to speak in our conservationism. Um, if that's the word, you know what I mean? Like sure. we have very, we're so very green. Texas didn't, <clears throat> Texas didn't have that. They're just, and let, that allowed them to just develop better. Free market economics prevailed. Like, you know, it's, I, I, there was a bit that you guys talked about. I can't remember who was on your show, but it was exactly to this tone and it rung out with me where you basically said capitalism doesn't really exist. True capitalism mm -hmm. within the home with development market doesn't mm -hmm. exist. And in Texas, it did like essentially, okay, so now, um, the housing, the sub, like the, the housing market is, is crazy in 2005, cheap money going everywhere. Markets are all rising like crazy. That means that profits margins are, are, are rising. Land costs are rising. These developers in Texas, they can go and they can build the same thing happened in Alberta. Alberta was a totally different picture than us on the run up to this, where there would be a subdivision down there. Cause me and my dad actually looked at buying some land in Black Falls, just outside of Red Deer to, to, oh, cool. to, to build out there. And one of my good friends, um, um, Aiden Rose, who Stallwood homes, his family builds here down in the Coburg area. They built some homes out there we talked about it. he said it's so so different where you 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 see a subdivision here there's like one or two builders in it and and down there there would be like 20 builders in a subdivision and you had to ask why is that like what's mm. the difference why why would there be so many builders it was so easy to buy get approvals that all these people were doing it and when you sell to a lot of builders one you a you spread your risk and two you get your money quicker because typically when you go in a long you know a, a format around here where a lot of these developers aren't getting paid on their they're getting some small deposit and then they're getting paid when the when the closing happens which could be you know, decades down the road. And when you sell to these, you know, individual people, you can get paid quicker. You know, I, you can buy three lots instead of having to make a commitment of 30, so but I want my money. You can move faster. The, the it, flow of money the is The flow faster. of money, it moves fast. And then where the approvals are fast, all of a sudden, okay, all these people go, now all of a sudden you have 20 builders pitting against each other for, you have different variety. You have different, have you ever been to an Alberta liquor store? No. So you know how, so here's the thing is like the selection, the variety, you walk in there, the people are like catering to you. They're asking you what you, the Somalia It's not like the liquor control board of no, Ontario. No, <laughs> these people have flown to Texas to taste tequilas. They know yeah, the backstory yeah. on these, like the stores. First of all, there's a store on every corner, like a coffee shop. There's a liquor store because that's what the market will bear. There's as far as you can drive. There's a one there. And they're, they're the good. hours are, they're open early. They're open late. Whereas when here you get, like you have three liquor stores in all of Peterborough. Um, and it's, and it's the size it's of all Red the same Deer. wines. You it's don't all, have a good selection. You can't to crack yeah. through to that. Yeah. And whereas it's the same thing where, where, where it's all regulation. Government regulation has, has strangled, uh, capitalism, true Variety, capitalism. Yeah. Variety. So, so, um, there's a fella that I did a, did a YouTube video with that's on, um, the, the Canadian real estate channel now, okay. like which was Matt McKeever's channel before. And, uh, it was a local builder developer or one of the biggest ones there now, uh, a fellow by the name of Paul Dietrich who okay. spoke with me on the, and he remembers cause he was one of my dad's sworn competition growing up. Like they were like head to head. It was Pat versus Paul. <laughs> they were like the builders in town and now they're amicable because it's that there's all these other builders coming in. And so it's like, we're, they're the, the Peterborough guys. And so me and Paul have a good relationship, but we did an interview. And Paul brought up a fascinating piece to what you said about how capitalism doesn't exist in this space anymore is that when Paul started, he remembers there was over 30 builders in Peterborough. Now there's maybe five. So, and when you ask, why is that? He said, because 30 used to be able to survive. You could buy a few lots, you could build, land was easy to get approved, zoned, and it was plentiful. The ability to develop land was plentiful. And if the market was there for more homes to be built, you could... It could, the market could scale up in kind and, and build more homes. And now he said it's a game of, it's like being an insurance business. First of all, you need a lot of capital. You need to have a long time projection. And he said, really, it's not about who builds the best home. There's no, it's like telecoms almost like once you're in, you're in and your service can be, they operate more like a, like an oligopoly than a, you know, like it's more like a housing because, because arguably, like Paul said, is that any of his competition can let their product slip so far and not advance it. They don't have to be on the cutting edge of technologies and they will still sell all 30 of the homes that they have in there for similar margins to what he does because they have the land and they have learned how to go through the, the rat raid, the maze. They know where to get, you know what I mean? And it's just who understands this game. So we, we're... <laughs> 
So we're creating through artificial scarcity of land, whether it be some green belt that we're creating. And I'm not arguing mm -hmm. against the green belt, but because of we're trying to protect lands the way we are here in Ontario, or we have cities that don't cooperate to build the infrastructure well. It's just to your advantage, or it naturally creates bigger home builders who can buy huge plots of land, sit on them for years to get the approval done, and then build an inferior product. I know we've all been subdivisions where I look around at some of these homes, some that I've even built, I won't name the builders, sorry, that I've purchased for my family. Yeah. And I walk in there looking around going, holy smokes, this is how they build houses. So it's not... <laughs> improving the quality of the no. house and it doesn't need to because the demand for the houses are so strong you can put out a fairly shit product and get a premium for it's it it's like having a milk quota or a dairy quota where when you have the quota you have the right to sell and if you sell your quota you can't enter the game and anymore. it's happening like i drive like, through some new subdivisions i'm sure you're the same and i look around i go this is what we're able to build here in canada yeah like this is what and i'm not saying in peterborough at all. <laughs> i mean in some of the areas closer to us yeah like i drive through some of the subdivisions and i'm like Really? Yeah. Like this is the communities that we are able to build in this beautiful country. Like this, and is competition can't enter to put the force on to the up pressure. the game, up the game, yeah. and, and margin pressure. Here's the thing: you buy some land, you project out ten years, you get it all uh, developed and approved, and by time it comes around. Right now, our market in Peterborough has has appreciated massively massively like to the tune of where the national home prices are 28 29 percent year over year peterborough has had two like 40 percent year over year crazy. which is just so crazy so something you know what i mean like um so so it's massive and now what happens is there's no so so builders margins go up whereas if there was free market enterprise where people could buy more land oh well prices are going up i'm gonna buy some land i'm gonna speculate it would drag these prices with certainty it would drag the prices down that's how they did it in alberta where things just couldn't rise even in the oil boom I bought a, basically there, uh, you know, a little detached uh, five bedroom, twenty five hundred square foot brand new home for three hundred fifty thousand. It was it was basically three years of income, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and even when things were booming and people were moving out there, it never hit that because the builders could build in kind. As many yeah. people came, they just kept building, and that's it's so simple. Like you know, uh, we but, have like artificial scarcity in Ontario for all these reasons. Yeah. Jeez. So this was, uh, I didn't mean to get uh, pissed off, but now I'm pissed off. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> Mitch, this sucks. I know. Mitch, you're our only hope. Uh, you got to figure it out in Peterborough, oh, man. You got to figure it out in Peterborough. Gosh, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird times, man. It is really, really weird times. So, uh, I, listen, I feel like, uh, I totally. feel like I could talk to you, uh, forever about this. I, I, um, what are you doing out in Peterborough? Who do you work with? How do people reach out to you if they want to, you know, reach out to you? Who do you like to work with? Who are your clients you like to work with? Totally. Map it out um, for us. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm with Century 21, myself and uh, Tamer Kamar, who he's an 18 year veteran in the, in the city, uh, selling real estate. So we started the Kamar Cleary team a year ago. Cool. Um, so we got a couple of bin staff. We got a full-time buyer's agent now who is phenomenal um and and he is like an investment specialist he's in paid coaching courses like uh cory mckinnon he's a you know student of his and and all this stuff and so they uh so we got a really good thing going there so we're we're catering to everybody um it's it's arguably it's harder than ever now to land um investors looking for a cookie cutter deal out there if you're looking for a sure. duplex people come over all the time yeah, like yeah. they don't i want to you know can yeah, i get a from duplex? toronto they want they a cash flowing like, duplex yeah, like, must be easy it must be yeah hey, Mitch, i'll take three totally just, you, you know i'll be there tuesday oh Line yeah three for me i'll just buy all three for sure yeah. so the cash flow scenarios like that have been gone for a long time unless you got 50 percent down and you know they, but the vacation rental properties are good that must be on fire up there it's good yeah, yeah. and there's real margin in that stuff for people oh my still. god the waterfront prices must be just so through the roof they're crazy yeah crazy so but we're helping any, anybody who's got an interest in in and you'll do waterfront stuff you do waterfront for stuff? sure okay. and, and i'm to be to be I'll, I'll be absolutely uh transparent there it's not my forte but we have people who can help um and i'll always have a conversation with somebody to help familiarize them in the city if if we both agree that i'm not the best one to help them i'll pass them along we obviously cool. we know everybody in the town so we'll pass along to whoever's the best um but within the city in in a, in a, in a pretty good radius around it we we feel very confident in that space and so we're 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 working with people every week we're buying and selling every week right now so we got a lot of we're, we got awesome, a lot on the man. go awesome yeah mitch i love the way you present information man like we didn't know each other before this we had a phone call we traded a couple emails thanks for coming and do this it, it's not close to come to our <laughs> office and oh, we didn't even talk yeah. about it but i think you were you got a flat tire one time coming yeah. out here we had to reschedule your wife 
happened to need a toe out of a ditch <laughs> today. So thank yeah. you for making this happen, man. I really appreciate it. The perspective that you're bringing on Peterborough. Like I grew up in Canada, but I feel like I don't know Canada. Like because I was always shipped over to Europe so much in the summers, I feel, and I don't have roots here. Yeah. So to meet a family like yours and get that history is meaningful to me. No, it's like very I, cool. I, I, it's, Honored it's to really be here. Cool. Honestly, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm still not sure how I ended up on, uh, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no, but yeah, listen, yeah. I want you to know, keep doing what you're doing and do the podcast. We need more of us out there talking totally. the way that you are talking. I think it helps educate people. It gives people confidence. And as much as we maybe talked about how crazy the real estate market is in, in here, there are opportunities. Like, look For what sure. you're doing. There are tons of opportunities. You just need to navigate through. You need to find the right people. And that's why I'm pumped. There's people like you doing this. So you need to do this podcast that you're thinking <laughs> about. I can tell just talking to you today, you're going to yeah. be a great podcast. So I you have to it. do this. I appreciate it. So let it. us know so that we can advertise that your podcast is running. And I just think, again, I think there are more of us doing it. We can all support each other. I and agree. it's a bigger force. Information rises yeah, to the top. Totally. And yeah. Totally. Absolutely. So, but Mitch, you didn't hand out the email. How oh, so, 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 hey, so, wanna, so someone totally, listening to this yeah, is going to be like, yeah, I yeah. want to work with Mitch. Yeah. How do they find yeah, totally. So, so my email is just uh, Mitch dot Cleary at uh, Century Twenty One dot ca. So that's M I T C H dot C L E A R Y at Century Twenty One dot ca or C Two One dot ca, and that's probably the best launch point uh, right there. You know, and uh, looking forward to having a preliminary chat with anybody who's got questions. Just if, if Peter was somewhat on your radar and you don't know enough about it and you want to have a, a chat, then we normally, myself, Sean, our buyer's agent, uh, Jordan, admin, we all kind of get in, huddle around, see, get get a quick face-to-face and just see if it's something that you're interested in chatting more about. So, cool. yeah. Mitch, thanks for this, man. I appreciate it. Thank you <laughs> Thank very you. Much, you. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Mitch. I'm pretty sure he shared his email. I'm just going to repeat it in case you want to reach out to him. It's mitch.cleary, C-L-E-A-R-Y at century21.ca. There you go. So hopefully we, uh, you enjoyed that chat. I really I really did. Mitch uh, has it brings a lot of energy and a lot of knowledge to the Peterborough area and just background. So um, just enjoy those chats. And if you are listening to this and you want to jump into real estate investing, but you're not sure where to begin, we have a starting point for you. You can come to our introductory real estate class, real estate investing class. You can register for that at CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. That's CanadianRealEstateTraining.com. We hold that about once a month. Nick and I are on there live and we go through a bunch of questions at the end and answer any, anything that might come to mind after after the class. And uh, the Q&A alone, sometimes I feel is worth it just because of the, the, the types of different questions we're handling. And uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, your life, your terms.